Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast. And as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. Hello and welcome to another special episode of A Million Other Choices. As always, I am your host, Kim. Do not fret, we are still going to talk about murder today. I know that's what you've come to expect from me, but today I want to talk about murder with my very special guest, Maria. You might have noticed, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, that I recently recommended Maria's YouTube channel, The Girl Who Said No. Now this was not prearranged or anything like that. I have made the conscious choice, at least for now, not to be monetized in any way. I just... it. It's too much work worrying about pleasing sponsors or affiliates and all that stuff. So I just love it too much as a hobby right now to make it feel like work. So if I recommend something, it's just because I find value in it and I'm hoping that you might too. I just happened to stumble across her page on Instagram and I absolutely love what she's doing. And it was really great timing because... When I reached out to her, she just happened to be in the midst of launching her YouTube channel. So that worked out really great. So I just kind of sweet talked her into coming in to, onto my podcast to discuss some stuff. And she was so kind enough to do that for me. So her and I sat down and discussed the topic of intimate partner homicide because it just, it's a topic that just, it comes up so much in the podcast episodes that I've covered. It's just, It just happens too often. And I think that it's so important that we all learn the signs to watch out for, whether it's for our, in our own relationships or our loved ones. I think it's so important to teach our young people what those signs are and how to watch for them. Now, I think that I, I know stuff. But I learned a lot from listening to Maria, and I, th- I think you will too. I know now. I did notice when I was editing for this that uh, I didn't really sound all that excited when I first started talking with her, but I totally was. I just get I get in my head. I get distracted by possible 
technical difficulties, so I just sounded distracted, but I was I am totally excited to be talking to Maria. And I have a feeling, at least I I hope, that we're gonna hear more from Maria on some future episodes because she is just an absolute wealth of knowledge about just a ton of topics with regards to criminology, psychology. It her page is just filled with just incredible information and I I also just happen to love listening to her accent. I definitely want to have her back on and maybe talk about some maybe some specific cases that I've covered or that I want to cover and just some other topics that that come up that I think will be interesting. I think she'll probably have just a ton of really interesting information for us. So I definitely want to talk to her again. And just quickly, if you're not up to speed on the Chris Watts, Jody Arias, or the Gabby Panito cases, just quickly Google them as you listen, because they do come up. And we we don't review the like the details of those cases. We just kind of got lost in the, you know, one true crime girl talking to another. So you might want to just a quick catch up on those if you're not that familiar with them. Anyways, please enjoy Marie and I's discussion of a particular brand of homicide that just really gets me in the feels. much for joining me today because I'm really excited to be talking to you about both your Instagram page and then your new YouTube channel and and what it is that you do. Just to give a little background, so you and I follow each other on Instagram and so that's how I became aware of your page in particular. You share a lot of information on preventing becoming a victim of violence and everything from like how to spot a narcissist to situational awareness and kids that maybe are going through the stages of sexual grooming. So I think what you're doing is is brilliant and very helpful. And the information that you give is just so easy to to remember little digestible bits. You don't have to, you know, read a big long book and get a psych degree and absorb a lot of information. Really like yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, Kim, thank you so much, first of all, for inviting me to your podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very glad to join you. Yes, uh, exactly. You're saying exactly right things because that was my main idea, my main point in the very beginning to make something like this theoretical, huge, huge studies, you know, where you don't understand half of the words and you have to read this article for half of the day in order to extract some, you know, valuable and practical information. So my idea was to to make these articles more digestible, very easy without needing to, to spend half of the day, you know, just very quickly mm-hmm. to give the practical tips to the people. So, yeah, so they are aware. Both your Instagram and YouTube page is called The Girl Who Said No, and you spell no, K-N-O-W. And I think that's such a great title because knowledge is really power. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, I really like it. Awareness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So why, what made you start your page? And has it been fairly recent? Like how long have you been doing it? I'm doing it since October. So now it's like February, actually the fifth month already. Somehow I think it's working. (laughs) 
I mean, thank yeah. God it's it's moving. Yeah, it seems to be growing really um, at a nice pace for you. Thank is you. it a big time commitment or is this a lot of information that you kind of already had and now you can just kind of, you have an outlet for it? No, actually I'm working toward 24-7 on it, like literally. Oh. My full-time commitment, I'm thinking at the moment what would be the best way to... And yeah. by the way, if you have any idea, I would be happy to hear. Well, I think <laughs> or, that you have enough information that you could do um, webinars where you're actually teaching some information to whether it's young women or girls. Because one of the things that I noticed that we're, at least where I am, we're lacking is programs and information that's available, say, say specifically to young people who are maybe in that 12, 13, 14 age range, there's nothing to really teach them about warning signs in relationship, how to break up with somebody in a safe way, you know, building that ability to use your instincts. This is definitely needed. But to be honest, I don't think I would want to like earn on it because I believe that this knowledge has to be shared for free for sure with everyone. Mm. Because this is like, this is this is safety. This knowledge should be shared for free, I believe. That's a that's a great attitude to have about it because you're right. Yeah, it, it is. It's about personal personal safety and it shouldn't be, you know, only people that can say afford to to yeah, get that information. Exactly. I want to share the knowledge. Maybe if one of your uh, listeners would get some idea, please uh, sure. get back to me. I would be happy to hear, you know, what could I do? Maybe maybe to to make some safety device, maybe anything oh. like that, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some, those are some good ideas. Well, hopefully yeah. uh, somebody, somebody out there has, has some ideas for you, especially once they see your page and see what you're trying to do. Um, I think that they'll, they'll get behind that right away. You know, as you know, from my podcast perspective, I, of course, am telling stories where it's, it's a bit too late, unfortunately, for the victims that they have, you know, maybe didn't see some of those warning signs and they wound up dying as a result of it. And one of the big themes that I see in so many of the stories that I research and that I do is that too many times the victim knew their perpetrator um, and that it was somebody that they knew and they trusted. Um, definitely domestic violence comes up a lot. We often see uh, sexual violence, um, maybe it's older men or women preying on young girls and boys, that kind of thing. So that's a little bit of what I'm hoping to talk to you about today. I myself <laughs> was married many years ago to a narcissist. I didn't know at the time that he was a narcissist till after I left, and then it became all too clear. And then I sort of started to see the signs. So certainly, if I had known some of those things beforehand, maybe I maybe I wouldn't have stayed as long and course my niece was killed by her boyfriend so then that's kind of why I started the podcast was to just sort of tell victim stories and hope to prevent further tragedies and that's hard to come up with advice for prevention when you yourself like myself I don't really understand that criminal mind do you have any tips or ideas on how to know if you are in a relationship that could potentially turn violent Yes. Do you mean if um, you are being with the person and you, or you want to know it as if your friend is in, in this relationship? Well, kind of right. both. Like, I, I mean, I'd like to know for, for any of those listeners out there that are maybe 
in a situation where they don't know what signs they need to be looking for in their own partner. And then, of course, I get the question a lot is, well, what are you supposed to do? Or how do you know if someone that you love is in a relationship like that as well? So it's kind of a twofold question. Okay, so maybe we could start by looking at the eight-stage progression to the intimate partner homicide, which was defined by Jane Moncton Smith. She has a very interesting paper, and actually she also wrote a book about that, where like learn more about the stages. But basically, almost all the cases that led to the murder of the intimate partner they followed this eight-stage progression with mm-hmm. the first stage being the prayer relationship mm-hmm. and the eighth mm-hmm. stage is the last one. It's the actual homicide. So let's just maybe go through it and, and see how it's unfolding. Sure. So the uh, first stage is the prayer relationship. That's where maybe people, maybe two people, they know each other, but they are not in the relationship yet. And for sure, the potential murder at this time presenting like the best possible picture, you know, mm-hmm. of themselves. They um, they only show very good qualities of themselves. They try to make a picture of like the ideal mate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there might be this new person um, might hear from the previous partner about some problems, but usually let's just for the purpose of our conversation uh, say that it's a man. Usually like 80% of the victims of intimate uh, partner homicide is the females Mm -hmm. and 20% is males. But just for the convenience of our conversation right now, let's say we will will be talking about the victim being a woman. Okay. Yeah. For example, this lady, she meets this guy and he's like, he looks so cool. He's so smart. He is, he has everything. He has his life in order, but he has this crazy ex. Mm-hmm. That's what he say. Yeah. Uh, because this crazy ex is trying, maybe they are dividing the time of the, of the kid, you know, maybe they mm-hmm. have problems and the, this new potential mate keeps saying that, Oh no, it's, she's this, my ex, she's crazy. She had problems with like, drugs she had problems with um sleeping pills she uh her mood is unstable so he could say all these things Mm -hmm. and that would be a very big mistake if the the new um this girl we're talking about if she would believe that because we always have to listen we don't have to believe straight away but Mm -hmm. we always have to pay attention if there are like any uh, ex-partner of this person saying any complaints or maybe there was a control, maybe there was abuse, maybe now the man is trying to manipulate with the um, kids. So this is the first red flag. Like we have to be very careful, never ignore it, never be, never take the straight away, take the side of this man because they, they will always look very innocent, very charming, very ideal. What they do is they study you from the very beginning. They study to learn all your vulnerabilities, to learn what you like, what you want in the man, for example. Or oh, the other way around, I mean, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Um, ladies would be studying what, what the man wants, create this uh, ideal picture. For example, someone 
wants for the lady to cook so she will be she will become the the best chief on earth you yeah know? she would yeah. start cooking like all sorts of things he likes and in the case of the woman also the man would be seeing like what does she want does she want to laugh does she want to have a good time or it's very important for her to have someone who's very stable or is it important for her to have adventures so wherever is it desired by the by this person the future murder will create a fantastic picture so usually mm-hmm. you would be warning your friend but is it okay that he's he's um, not so in a good terms with his ex and mm-hmm. they are like the talking so bad about her do you think it's okay and they would be like oh no for sure it's it's she's so bad you know they don't see because what these people presented at that moment is only this ideal picture so that's why it's hard you know so yeah it's it's actually that's really interesting you say that because during my dating years um, I saw that a lot with guys that would say, oh, yeah, like, because I would say, well, what's your relationship like with your ex-wife or whatever? Oh, she's a nightmare or whatever. So the partner that I'm with now, he said nothing but nice thing. Oh, she's a great lady. Uh, we have a good relationship. We're friends. And I thought, oh, perfect. Because, yeah. Yes, this I is a very good saying. sign. Exactly. Yes, this is a very good sign. But I think um, these guys, they have to talk bad about their exes. Why? Because she would appear eventually, especially if they have babies together, she would appear and she would maybe try to warn this Mm -hmm. new lady. And so they need to make her look bad before they met, you know, they need to portray her like crazy so that Mm -hmm. the new partner do not believe the yep. the previous one yeah that makes so that's why sense. they do it finally for example this girl this lady we're talking about she didn't listen to anyone she likes this guy and they start to see in each other mm-hmm. and so what happens usually in this eight stage progression what happens is they move in together very early on or like the relationship develops so so fast that even it could be like in a couple of months, they already planning a wedding. Mm. And after four months, they already maybe like started to have a baby. I don't know how, how yeah. what it's called in English. Like they, the baby is already yeah. uh, <laughs> on its way after four months. So like the relationship develops extremely, extremely fast. And usually the, the partner, which is the, the victim, uh, they will be so smitten by the how everything mm-hmm. goes and they will be thinking that this is the this is the best thing that ever happened to them and it moves so mm-hmm. fast because this is a real passionate love you know mm-hmm. they think that that's what they were looking for their whole life so we would hear like so if we if it was say like a loved one of ours we might hear them talking about that they finally met their soulmate and those kinds of yes things, right? yeah Yes, exactly. And that's why when people, their friends would be saying, oh, but are you sure you know this person? Well, are you sure you want to have babies with them? Are you sure you're ready for that? They will be like, yes, sure, for sure. Yes, 100%. This is what I was looking for my entire life. Mm -hmm. The relationship moves on very, very quickly. The potential murder is starting to kind of like using possessive language like your mind we're forever we'll be together uh, forever and ever creating that it's us against the world exactly 
Exactly. And they will be very attentive, but this attentiveness would slowly progress, not maybe even slowly, maybe even fast, but it will progress to like possessiveness already. Mm -hmm. So from beginning, they would like suggest to you something, for example, oh, why don't you choose this dress? But then eventually it would be like, no, this dress is not good for you, like this, another one, you know? So they start to more and more exert control in the relationship. Then it moves to the stage number three, which is already a relationship. That's when the commitment already uh, secured. Because in the previous stage, the the potential murderer, this man, what he tried to do is to make sure that this lady is already his. Also, um, at that moment, when the relationship progresses to the stage number three, we also see um, a changes in the behavior of the of the lady, of the victim. We start to see that she may be, for example, as a friend, you would try to call her and be like, hey, let's meet and have a coffee. And she would always be, oh, no, I'm busy. Or, oh, no, we're doing that. Or, oh, no, I can't. Why can't you? Oh, no, well, we, we spend very little time together. And if that would be like the case, that's how she acts normally, then fine. But if before you would, she would always see you even if she's in the relationship, but mm-hmm. suddenly this relationship, she cannot see you or she doesn't have time or she seems to be too, he's controlling her time completely. Mm-hmm. She has to ask um, almost the permission to, yeah. to go see everything. Her whole life starts slowly, slowly to, to be completely surrounded depending on what are they doing with this person. Mm-hmm. That's when on the stage number three, the relationship, that's when the uh, domestic abuse might start already and stalking and all sorts of controlling behaviors, even to the extent of um, people could find uh, spyware on their phones or they could have uh, hidden cameras in the house to... Yes, even to that extent, of course, Mm -hmm. it depends from one case to another. But yes, this is also very much possible. That's when the the partner might start to ask for the passwords from social media, start mm-hmm. checking the history, the web history, what the person was reading or watching, start to completely control all aspects of life. Right. And, and when it, you say abuse, like it's, I think it's important to distinguish that it doesn't necessarily mean he, in this case, has to start hitting the victim. It means like there's so like the the definition of abuse is is quite broad um, and can yes. include a lot of lot of things and and like you said the controlling behavior is abusive. Yes. Also, there is the coercive control, right? Yeah, coercive. Yeah, yeah. Coercive. Yeah. So maybe it would be very very good if um, your listeners would actually research a little bit about it because coercive control is not necessarily physical it's mm-hmm. just a uh, control by intimidation mm-hmm. just by threats not yeah. um, and what about control. by guilt can that be is that coercive control too to use guilt like to say like oh that's okay i'll just stay here by myself you go do you know is yes it's a, it's a manipulation it's for sure an emotional manipulation if it aimed at control and if it's like all the time manipulation of all sorts it could be intimidation could be threats could be it could be anything mm-hmm. um, 
It's an emotional abuse. Yeah. If it's what is money, what is the difference between manipulation and just a normal communication? Manipulation is always an act uh, that is always aimed to bring advantage to the one who is doing it mm-hmm. by the means of disadvantage to the other person. Okay. Yeah. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So here, yes, if, for example, guilt is used because this person wants something, and the victim, it's it's not to the advantage of the victim. So then, yes, it's a, it's manipulation and it, it could amount to emotional abuse, basically. Mm-hmm. Also, at this stage, the potential murder demand the constant demonstrations of devotion and loyalty from the partner. Actually, this stage could last up until like 50 years. It might last the whole life if yeah. potential murder is maintaining control over the person. So if mm-hmm. control is maintained, it could last. But I mean, of course, we can imagine that uh, what kind of life the person would lead, you know? Yeah. And their total, total control and you just like never know what could happen. Like for sure, it's not advisable. Absolutely yes. not. <laughs> Actually, I have um, I have a friend of mine like, and she's in relationship with the with the man already for, I don't know, maybe seven years. She was trying to leave many times and now they have a baby and uh, they keep going back and forth between like, I don't know, third stage and fifth stage. Three, four, five, five, four, three, <laughs> three, four, five. You know, they keep they keep yeah. going back and forth. But now we will continue moving with the stages. So you will see that um, after like stage number six, there is basically almost no return already. So. I mean, it's her choice. She, she, she knows. Yeah, and doing. I think that that's the the hard part is that there isn't a lot that you can really do. Um, yes. When I mean, when they're going through that, because you can you can point it out all you want to, they have to see it for themselves, and so I think it's exactly. a matter of just helping them feel that empowerment and that um, the security in themselves to be able to see that this is this is not the way I want to live or this isn't right. Yeah, well, I mean, I wish I wish she could leave, but I mean, what can we do? We can do nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's the that's the sad part. So you, you're right; you got to try and catch it, catch it in the early stages, and give them the information really early on, because once yes. they, once they do get in there, and and it really does become like if you try to say anything negative about the the person, they just even they hold on even tighter almost. Yes, and in yeah. the end, you become kind of like a enemy, you know. Mm-hmm. You 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 become the one who's trying to maybe intervene or something because that's how user will do in this situation. If only they notice that you might be a threat to mm-hmm. to their relationship, that you are the the voice of the common sense. Once they notice this and they they start to consider your threat, they will do everything in their like possibility to to get rid of you completely. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of become now the crazy ex, right? Oh, she's crazy. She's yes. she's a psychopath. She's jealous. She's whatever. Yeah. Yeah, she's jealous because uh, you're so happy with me, mm-hmm. and we're so fantastic couple, and everything is fine with us. And yeah, and then in the end, because it's called the gaslighting, and you mm-hmm. know, like you for sure know. Yeah. So when all these things start, the person is already lost. They, they're not sure whom can they trust. Can they trust their partner? Can they trust this friend of theirs? Can they, they completely get lost at that moment? Yeah. yeah. So I guess that would all go in the, yeah, in the stage number three, because that's the, that's the main like body of the relationship from two months to 50 years or maybe yeah. more. <laughs> Depends on yeah, how long people live. Yeah. Then it can go on and go on until there are some trigger or triggers happening. That's the stage number four. And the trigger or triggers, it could be any event. It could be um, the victim decides that they had enough. They cannot take it anymore. It's mm-hmm. They have to stand up from their knees and start to live a normal life like everyone else. Anything could affect this, like Mm -hmm. anything. Maybe a person read a book or maybe there is like another person at work who started to, for example, a man started to showing signs of interest. Mm -hmm. And then the, the abuser noticed that. The day before yesterday, I read a few articles about the Chris Watts mm-hmm. and uh, Shannon Watts because uh, I got a question on my YouTube. I found that, yes, they had it also that he changed at some point. Do you remember that she texted her friend, Shannon texted to her friend about that, oh, I texted Chris mm-hmm. that uh, she's going to protect her kids and she's the mother and she will just remove it. That's what she wrote. She wrote it to Chris. And then she texted the same message to her friend. And uh, she was like, oh, that's what I texted to Chris. And the friend went like, and so what he said? And she's like, nothing. I said, nothing? And she's like, yeah, nothing. I think that was the one of the like trigger moments because she threatened him. She said, I will remove it. Yeah. So for him, it was was a trigger because he rea- realized that she will she, she could just like take the babies and escape yeah. completely, and that's it because they had problems with them with his family with his parents. Yeah. yeah. But by the way, did you know that his mom uh, wrote a book or like an essay? She was not very kind to Shanann, like as far as the words she said about her and that. From my understanding. Did you read it? Yeah. No, I haven't read it. No. I saw the comments on the Amazon and everyone was saying there that, oh my goodness, she's just like bashing uh, Shannon in in this essay. And apparently she was the root of evil in this family, apparently. Uh, As I saw, as Shannon wrote to Chris that your parents is like so bad they they affected my kids so bad and so Mm -hmm. I will remove it like I will remove my kids and that's when the Chris uh, flipped one of the reasons also Mm -hmm. I think at the same time she uh, he already had this uh, daughter girl the the girlfriend yeah yeah the girlfriend and also I found today information that they were using this uh, patches you know the patches oh. and uh, 
yes like today i just the couple of hours ago i found this that apparently they use these patches which is for the weight loss but he was i guess so kind of like obsessed with them that he was using double the dose per day yes and his girlfriend the the girlfriend nicole she told to uh law enforcement the two detectives that apparently she thought that sometimes he looked like he's on speed. You know, these drugs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it could be also one of them. I mean, that's for sure not the reason why he killed his yeah. family. But could be that it helped him to, you know, to completely go nuts. Yeah. So well, we we found out later after um, Dustin killed my niece, Taylor, that he had been using steroids. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of the things <laughs> that you're talking about. We We certainly saw it. Um, I don't think we saw that it was going to go all the way to stage eight, <laughs> um, but we definitely saw some of these signs that, and we were doing what we could, right? But but she was and she didn't rough. listen. No, she actually tried to hide the relationship from us a lot and say that they weren't together when they really were, and because she knew we didn't approve. And so you think that maybe one of the reasons that completely made him nuts is this steroids. Well, he had been so he had been using steroids for a while because he was a he was working as a male stripper. So he was mm-hmm. into that whole fitness thing and that, but he was also a user of methamphetamines as well. That mm-hmm. had turned into an addiction. So I think there was there was a lot going on with him. And they'd been trying him, both Taylor and his mom had been trying to get him into rehab. So we think mm-hmm. that that was maybe the trigger was that threat of like, I'm going to have to go away to rehab and this will probably end the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So It could be not even just one trigger. It might be something that people even would not see because it might be something that they just imagine, mm-hmm. you know, for in the case of uh, Travis Alexander and uh, Jordi Arias. When I was watching her interrogation, at some point, the um, uh, detective tells her that Actually, they did not plan the Travis Alexander and this other girl they communicated with from work or something. Uh, She said to him that they will not be together. So basically, she said that nothing was going on between Travis Alexander and this girl. And I saw a surprise in her eyes, like... Like she looked surprised because I think the the whole story happened because she thought that something is going on and that they're going to travel together with Travis Alexander uh, and all that stuff like this Dava girl. And so now after she killed him, she she learns from detective that actually there was completely nothing. Hmm. And you could see this tiny surprise in her eyes and like you could see that she's realizing at this moment that all what she did was like for nothing the oh shoot moment (laughs) yes exactly exactly so the trigger might be something is not even existent it might Mm -hmm. be something that just in their brains maybe they got jealous maybe so it could be anything not necessarily even something that everyone would know about Mm -hmm. you know this is this is what kind of also scary, like you don't even know when like when the person would flip and from what, you know. Right. Like you could of... just be innocently talking to a coworker. Exactly. He, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, after this trigger moment or trigger moments, what's happening is this stage number five. 
when uh, this already after the trigger event had happened. And at that moment, the, the abuser tries to maintain control. So he is doing or she doing everything mm-hmm. possible. They mm-hmm. might start texting like every two seconds, every two mm-hmm. minutes and texting and texting and calling. And they, they will be stalking you and checking whom are you meeting if if you have like a possibility yeah, to. Mm-hmm. They might even like completely put you in the house, for example. The stage number five, as I said, is the escalation of everything. Escalation of abuse, escalation of control. Uh, frequency and severity and intimidation and threats and they can even threaten the person to commit suicide you Mm -hmm. know they can start manipulating the person like oh i cannot live without you Mm -hmm. i will like i will i will do something so they try all the possible techniques all the possible manipulations in order to keep the control of the person yeah, and I, I totally it, remember this from my, my with my when I left when I made the decision to leave my ex husband. Um, mm-hmm. It did get, as they say, it gets worse before it gets better, and that was mm-hmm. obviously the trigger. And yeah, he started with the calling constantly and the crying and the the threats that I can't live without you and and those kinds of things. It all started. This is kind of the time when it can get dangerous. Is when you decide to leave, and that's why it's so important to have a safe plan for leaving in a safe way exactly yes and thank you for mentioning that because yeah it might be not only um threats it might be not only negative things it could be also i can't live without you please i love you so much please Mm -hmm. come back i i I will become an ideal person i will do Mm -hmm. everything everything you want and you know so it might be I was actually surprised also yesterday when I when I was reviewing the Chris Watts um, situation, the, his case and Shannon Watts. I found that apparently her last message to him was, I'm uh, on the plane, we're taking off, which is already kind of like creepy, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> given yeah. that like, she killed after a few hours. But what what I was surprised of is that his message to her was, oh, thank god praying for for your safety mm. so can you imagine how fake person was the entire relationship that up until the moment that he killed her he was like praying for you yeah yeah can you imagine that yeah. like uh, how much fakeness in this person is that up like he was playing his role mm-hmm. up until he killed her Mm-hmm. Not, not even, you know, went to be in this intimidation kind of thing as we're, we're talking now. He actually kept his mask up until like almost very end. We like, don't know what happened in the house, but like three hours before, four hours before the murder, he, he texted her praying for your safety. Yeah. Yeah. He's a oh my goodness. Lover. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever this person tells you or your friend that I will change everything will change I will become an ideal angel person Mm. or the opposite they they try to intimidate or anything it's of course it's already means that the person has to think of the safe escape also also as you very correctly uh, mentioned it should be extremely safe from the person in this relationship there should be no 
impulsive or reckless decisions. Mm -hmm. So for example, you don't go packing your bag in the middle of the night and be like, no, that's it, I'm leaving. Because this person would realize that that's it. They lost uh, control completely. If they will see that the person is packing their bag in the middle of the night and is about to leave, that's when the stage number six is going to happen. And that's a change in thinking. That's when the the abuser realizes that, unfortunately, his attempts to maintain control is failing and he he cannot keep this person. And so he decides, okay, if I cannot keep her, then I will like revenge to her or Mm -hmm. I will like, she will not be with Mm -hmm. any other person. That's when they completely decide, okay, if I cannot have her, then no one will. Yeah. And from here, that's, that's already uh, the person should start praying like right at this moment. I actually saw the change in thinking in my ex-husband, like literally on the phone with him. And he was mm-hmm. doing the crying and the, I can't live without you. And I said, n- like, no, like, I'm, I cannot say mm-hmm. it enough. I am not coming back home. And his demeanor and everything on the phone just changed. And mm-hmm. um, he basically said, well, then I, from this moment forward, I, I hate you or whatever. And then he, he talked a little bit more. And then his demeanor changed again and became like, you know what? I think we should just go for a drive sometime, just you and I. And, and talk about it. And I just, I don't know, I guess it was instinct. I just knew I'm like, that's, yeah. that's not right. And I never, I was never alone in a room with him ever after that, because I, you I, could I, see I that change that I was like now an enemy. So I really think that if I had decided, oh, okay, let's go for a drive. I don't think I'd be here. Yes, I just had the shivers. Can you imagine yeah. when you said to me about the drive? I like I have my hands, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank God you didn't go. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because no. that's exactly <laughs> so maybe also that's uh, you know now what you're doing this uh, podcast. So maybe you could uh warn other like this experience happened to you, so you could now warn others of that mm-hmm. and maybe. You know, maybe maybe now that we're talking and um, some listeners, they would they would hear your experience and mm-hmm. maybe some my thoughts and maybe it will help them or uh, their friends, you know, so we never yeah. know. I mean, why we have certain experiences. That's that's the hope anyways, that that, that it, you know, yeah. <laughs> something gets through to some one person even is is helpful. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So thank God you didn't go uh, for a ride because, yeah, that's like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Thank God you didn't go because uh, after the stage number six, that was a change in thinking. Once it occurs, the person decides, OK, I'm going to crash this person, this person. Mm-hmm. And then um, the stage number seven planning starts but what's interesting is this stage can be like as as quick as two hours as short Mm -hmm. as two hours it could be very very fast when it happens that the stage number four which is trigger and escalation number five and six happens very fast and seven also like when between the trigger and the homicide when it happens like very very fast for example uh this uh victim receives in the middle of the night receives the message from um a person from work and then the the abuser decides that this message was like too personal or threatening 
uh, their relationship. So that's yeah. the stage number four. And then escalation started, the fight is happening. And then the, the victim is saying, oh, no, that's it. I'm done with you. That's that's too much. I can't uh, I can't tolerate this relationship anymore and packs the bag in the middle of the night. Then the um, abuser could decide in just like one hour that no, you're not leaving. You're you're not going to this uh, co-worker. Uh, well, that's what they think at least in their in their head. Yeah. So that's when the murder c- could occur, and then it's going to look like it's a crime of passion. Mm-hmm. But actually, it went through the it went through all the stages. Yeah. You know, it actually did. It did go through all the stages was like very, very fast. It would look like it was just like sudden. Yeah. The stages, they are there and they might last longer. They might be shorter, but they they usually all there. For example, if the person is more kind of less impulsive and more calculated, then they can start exactly searching on the Internet, for example, uh, poisons mm-hmm. or um they might they might plan how how could they pull this whole thing out you know like how yeah. could they do this at this moment they can also try to arrange the papers so this could be a stage where they're changing life insurance or they're like a, exactly. that would be like a long planning stage or it could be as short as just grabbing a knife from a kitchen yes but uh, before that the change in thinking occurs Right. So this is also after the basically the, the the stage number six, it's already very, very if the person is close by in the proximity, in the proximity here, then there is a very, very high chance that there there would be something happening. Mm-hmm. So ex- again, as in your case, that where the person, your ex told you, OK, let's have a, a ride. That was like literally thank God you're safe and everything yeah. is okay. Maybe then, maybe then he changed his mind. He's like, okay. Um, later on where, where, when he saw that he cannot do anything to you, but if at that moment you would go, then yeah, probably it would not um, end in, in a good situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, also on the stage number seven, that's when they try to, they might say, okay, it's fine. If you want to leave me, leave me, but let's spend uh, one more day together. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the sea. Let's, let's have, let's be like normal people. Let's have a dinner together and discuss yeah. what we're going to do about our kids. In any way, they try to, to keep the person. Yeah. They just give them one last opportunity really to have access to you. Yes, they want to, but they want to have you alone without yeah. your friends, without your uh, family with you. They might say, okay, if you want to pick up your clothes, come to pick it, come mm-hmm. to pick it up, but no, come alone. No, don't bring your brother with you. It could be anything. It might be a, in a threatening man- manner. It might be in a good manner. doesn't matter. Yeah. What the potential victim should never listen to is this. Never, ever, under no circumstances, the person who's who was in this type of relationship and trying to live should never listen to this abuser. Never, ever, because that's literally, it's like a Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. It's too, too, too dangerous. So even if it's possible, best even not to see the person at all, if it's possible. Also, the um, stage number eight, the actual homicide, 
it it doesn't have to be an obvious murder. I was talking to a person and she said to me that her ex actually, like when she was feeling so, so bad and she was extremely depressed. I'm sorry, I hope she will not be upset that I'm telling her story, but I'm not mentioning the name. So I think people should know that that would be the case. So the guy basically... Uh, when she was already completely destroyed emotionally, uh, what he did, he tried to put uh, a lot of sleeping pills in her mouth. Oh my god! And he, yes, uh, when she was when she was like all after crying for ten hours, sure, and yeah. Wow. He thought probably that she is already not able to think for herself. I mm-hmm. think he he thought that she's already not normal, and so she could not comprehend the fact that he put in her mouth, like, I don't know, 10 sleeping pills, and he left. Wow. But, yes, but she was smart enough. She, even though she was completely, she was, like, after the hospital, and she she was in a horrible, horrible condition. But she figured what happened, and she actually took out, She like, she pretended that she took these pills. Mm-hmm. And, and and he left immediately. He probably thought that, thank God it, it didn't happen, thank God. But he probably thought that if she would die from these pills, mm-hmm. then it would look like a, a suicide. Yeah. Because she was so depressed mm-hmm. and it's just normal that she took all this like 10 pills, you know, many people, like not many people, but I mean, people do that. So yeah. And that's why he left straight away. He left immediately because... Um, not to be uh, not to be seen around you know so thank god she uh, she understood what was going on and she took out the spills and that's it and thank god she's alive and she's yeah. happy she's married now and everything is super good, good with her good but imagine this murder doesn't have to be like a murder with a knife or a gun mm. it could be things like trying to give uh, drugs which is mm-hmm. not clean you know yeah. So to make it look like an overdose or to make it look like a person, like a suicide, or it might be even looking like, um, like, uh, you know, that they had some game and that the game went wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might, it might the be concealed. that goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it could, it doesn't have to be exactly looking like a crime scene. It, it might look just, oh, I'm innocent. No, I no, I didn't do anything. It's mm-hmm. just like we had fun or, uh, you know, we took drugs together and it was too much for her. It doesn't have to be exactly like looking like a murder, murder, like we imagine it. Yeah. When people in this type of their relationship, they might be thinking, oh, no, uh, the person I'm seeing, he would never be able mm-hmm. to take a knife mm-hmm. or a gun and kill me. Yes, maybe this person would not be able to take a gun or a knife, but they will be able to pick up sleeping pills, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. or things that um, doesn't have to, or for example, mix some things like an alcohol and sleeping pills or poison. I, mm-hmm. I've i read interesting cases of uh Poison, poison being brought from India by a woman to mm-hmm. UK, and she cooked the chicken to her ex, and she was like, "Oh, this is this is just take the food, take the food," and she poisoned the guy. Jeez. That's it. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that women women are more likely to poison um, than men. We women, when we kill, I guess we like a hands off kind of approach. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I mean, it doesn't, okay, maybe the person would not take a knife or a gun, but there mm -hmm. are so many ways to, to do that, that you don't have to, I mean, it, it can look uh, very differently. That's mm -hmm. what I meant. Well, and the, there's this, also the, the murder-suicide, right? Like, I'm, I, I can't live without you, so I'm going to take myself out, but I'm going to take you with me. Yeah. Those can happen. And, and even just like in the stage um three and four like a fight can get out of hand and and you can get pushed and knocked against a coffee table and it can like something like that can kill you um, yes yeah and then you're not even you don't even get to the stage so I think that it's such an important topic it happens too many times and there's so many women that are in these situations that that maybe don't know that they're even in it um, and yes. what, um, it really, I mean, what Taylor's story has taught us is that it can happen to anybody. It really can. You think that it can't happen to you or in your family, but it can. Exactly. And uh, also what I noticed, like, so sometimes I like maybe even envy these people who live in their rose uh, glasses, you know, because they're, they, they think life is wonderful and everyone is like so kind and uh, I, there are no dangers out there and everything is so good, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes I envy this naivety, but fact is there are a whole bunch of evil people in this on this planet all these evil people very small percentage of them actually look like evil because the majority of these evil people actually look extremely nice even this um, ted bundy said like we are like serial killers we are your like brothers sons we're your yeah so that's what people don't realize actually they have to they have to be very much careful, especially in the beginning of the relationship. Also, I saw Shannon in her Facebook live. She has like a 40 or 30 minute Facebook live. She's mentioning there, she's like, oh, well, the people who know my story with Chris, they know that I was like pushing away Chris so hard in the beginning. And I was like torturing him. That's what she said, literally. Mm. She's like pushed him and pushed him but he was like insistent mm -hmm. and i thought at that moment this is i think a bit um suspicious dynamic when men being pushed away for so long and even tortured and he still insists mm -hmm. i think this is kind of like a woman should be alarmed by the fact that she has this person because it's borderline in with stalking you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no like, is a complete sense you should be able to say no and not be met rage and anger for rejecting somebody. Yes, exactly. And I think usually men would pursue a bit more and try and see if there is interest. But if there are no interests shown by the woman, then most of the men would be like, okay, so she's not interested. But apparently in, in her case, that's what she says in her Facebook live video, that he kept pursuing her for so, so long that eventually she gave up. I thought that also this should be like a warning sign that love bombing you and pursuing you and pursuing you. <laughs> I like that pursuing. term, love bumping. <laughs> yes, but it's. I think it's sort of like even an official, uh, an official term that means that the person would be texting to you every day and be like, let's meet, let's meet. So basically <coughs> they don't give you a chance to stay alone. Like right. they completely surround you in this bubble of love. 
Well, I think that that's the part that I feel is so manipulative about sometimes these relationships is that some of what they're doing, even if it's the calling all the time, uh, and that it can look like it's disguised as love and caring, right? Like, oh, he just loves me so much. He wants to spend (laughs) all his time with me. And it is, it's a dangerous, especially they, they, of course, they, they seem to pick victims, whether it's men or women that, that maybe already feel a little bit of insecure and are looking for that. The role they, for sure, they notice if, if the person uh, has any insecurities, for sure. But also what I notice, they really, really look for kind and um, empathetic people. Mm-hmm. They, they really prey on them because these people have so much to offer. They offer so much attention and yeah. they, they are literally after all these good and kind people. And that's uh, what I think about the Shanem because she appears on the videos as a very kind and very, very empath- empathetic uh, woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're like food for the narcissist, right? Yes, that's <laughs> the favorite prey, you know? That's, that's exactly the favorite prey. And especially if they are, um, because they also love a chase. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. They love a chase. So they are getting even more like interested in you. If you're like, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, I'm busy. I'm wherever. They get in even more because that's a game for them. These things should warn the the person in the beginning, be it man or woman. Yes, exactly. Doesn't matter. If if you've been already saying 10 times that, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I No, I don't want, I, I'm wherever, wherever your excuse is. But mm-hmm. the person keep insisting, keep insisting. Of course, you, you would want to think like, oh, that's so flattering. I'm so, like, I'm so interested apparently that this person is trying to, so hard to, to, yeah. to get my attention. But hard reality fact that is that it's not, it doesn't have to do anything about you being so fantastic. It's just a very toxic person trying to win in a game that they are playing. For them, it's it's fun. For for norm, normal um, human beings, it's a it's a very dangerous game. It's better not to play it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I was when I was looking through your page, I saw you had uh, what just some of your tips are just so great. But you, there was one about um, spotting a psychopath and how um, when <laughs> when you yawn, they don't yawn in return. And I thought oh, God, I didn't know that. And that is such a great little memorable tip that you can take with you if you're like I don't know out at a party or something and you meet new people to just notice those little tiny things about. Uh, about people can maybe tell you like, oh, there's a person that I maybe should avoid. <laughs> yes, but also don't be don't be tricked. I mean, for example, if they assume you being um, smart enough to know about this trick, they might start yawning in front of you. If they are completely blind and think that you do not see who they are, then you can uh, see this you can see if they yawn or not but if for example they suspect that you are um kind of like perspicacious and mm-hmm. you kind of like see from them then they they will start yawning and they they will start do all these things that they mm-hmm. believe regular people do so yeah it's like i mean you could try to spot it but sometimes uh that's that's why it's so hard for many uh, like forensic um psychologists for example to 
to put a diagnosis because they are so manipulative that they would be lying to you. Like I'm yeah. not a forensic psychologist, yeah, but I mean, generally, like they they would be lying all the time. You can never trust their word. Like, and they are very manipulative. You need to think with them ten steps ahead if you want. If you want just to be equal with them, equal in a sense that they don't win anything from you. You have to think 10 steps ahead, kind of, because otherwise they will trick you. Do you have any statistics on hand about how, like what percentage of the people have the, that, oh, I don't know, if it's psychopathic or narcissist, whatever it is, that, that thing in them that. I've seen some statistics before, but the, usually it goes between like 1% and 4%. So in the big cities, for example, there are like more of them living in the small cities, maybe there are less. So I think that would actually hard to calculate the, the mm. real percentage. But what I've seen, I mean, because it, it would be natural that um, I think in like sociopaths or psychopaths or narcissists or any of these destructive people because they are suffering from boredom, constant yeah. boredom. It's natural for them to move to the big cities, for example, because there are like more entertainment and for sure you will find even more of them in the places like Los Angeles or New sure. York, the places where like Washington or the places where you have a lot of opportunities, you know, to, to develop a career and all that. What I've seen, it's like, they say that psychopaths is around 1% and all this antisocial personality disorder and uh, I think nar- narcissist and all that, it's like 4%. So, But, but still, roughly. if you take the, the world population, even 1%, that's a lot of people. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what's important to remember is that they, um, they, they don't see like crazy, right? They, right. they look normal. They they just look normal. They look like this guy working in the shop next door, or maybe it's uh, your neighbor, or maybe it's the people around you. It's not uh, some obviously crazy people. Ah, by the way, what I wanted to say, very important. Do you remember the, um, the moment where uh, Gabby Petita had a fight with, with her b- boyfriend, mm-hmm. ex-boyfriend? That's when uh, there was a police and they were in the middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in this fight, do you remember that she was like crying and Mm -hmm. she was like literally dramatic and he was like very calm. Mm -hmm. And so what is important to remember that although it it appears that she's hysterical and he is a calm and balanced person, this is should not trick anyone because that's how usually the dynamics go Mm -hmm. like the person who's been the victim that's how they usually look like they look very hysterical dramatic to the outsiders Mm -hmm. to the people who don't know what's going on what's the dynamics and the abuser actually looking like the the most calm and sane person out there exactly you know that's funny you say that because i remember um, when I was going through my divorce, I had to go into like a mediation and I, mm-hmm. I went in first and it was a, it was a woman and I came in and I was, she started asking me some questions and I started like crying and, I, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just, he makes me feel like I'm going crazy and like, like I'm the crazy one or whatever. And mm-hmm. when he walked in, he came in and he said, I don't, I just don't know what all this is about. I, I just don't. Like she, I'm really worried about her mental health. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. 
total gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, like that's what they do. They come off looking like, yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, clearly she's spiraling. Exactly. Uh, frustrating. So the, it's not a psychologist. It's like a legal person. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was more a legal person. And I'm sure she thought I was the nutty one until he started speaking a little bit more. And then some of the, you know, some of his, I think she started to see that he was being manipulative or whatever. Thank God. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because um, usually like the, maybe the therapist, the psychologist, they would for sure see this dynamic, but from the outside for the people who's not aware this this whole abusive relationship coercive control thing yeah. like how how it's how these dynamics go it might appear that actually the things are our way around and then that this crying person is the one who is makes who makes all the drama and they are unstable and mm-hmm. this the other the calm person is being the victim because look at them they did nothing yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I thought that actually her- when I was watching mm-hmm. that footage, I thought, oh, you creep. Like, <laughs> you know, this, exactly. this poor girl. Yeah. So this is very much important to remember when when assessing, like if you see your friend is like crying all the time and being hysterical. No, don't think that it's the friend have problems or a friend maybe needs some vacation or anything yeah. like yeah. this. No, it's it's actually that person is driving them crazy. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing that information with us. I, thank I, you for inviting me. I really think it's going to be helpful to so many people just to just to hear that. Um, I think you laid out those stages really clearly of like what they what they look like so that you can actually see it as it unfolds so I think that's and I think that your page and your YouTube videos which I've started watching and I did subscribe to them those they're great so oh, far thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I just I love the information and I, I love what you're doing and the fact that you really want to make sure that it's out there for free is is fantastic I think thank you so much thank you for inviting me I'm I'm really happy to to spread the knowledge and uh, definitely I mean if if um, any of the listeners would like mm-hmm. to get more details and more science, I have more of it available on my Instagram and also on my YouTube. So I'd be happy to see you. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, yeah. And again, so that's the girl who said no, and you have to spell no K N O W. Yeah. Knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge. Knowledge is power. Thank you, Maria. You are the very bestest. Thank you for teaching us some things and and hopefully we can use the information, whether you're maybe on Tinder right now or you know someone who you suspect might be in one of these stages that we talked about. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm sure we're going to hear from Maria again. And I am going to be back on Monday for our regularly scheduled program. In the meantime, do your rates, reviews, follows, etc., etc., And thank you for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.